Very pleasant good evening once again. It is indeed a blessing to be with this congregation. It's a blessing to be assembled here this evening. Continuing on the thought of personal this evening, I want us to include the word evangelism in with our word personal. Personal evangelism, as Brother Tim mentioned a moment ago, we have a personal evangelism workshop coming our way beginning on Friday evening, January the 17th, and going through Saturday afternoon. And that beginning time will be about 6 p.m. on that Friday evening. We hope and pray this will do us a, a lot of good. With that in mind, I want us to sort of explain personal evangelism as we begin our thoughts together uh, this evening. Let us not be scared of the word evangelism. Uh, It has uh, some good ideas in it. The word uh, comes from uh, two small words. Uh, The first of that small word is uh, U, uh, E-U, U, and that just means good, good, or something that is well, something that's good. Okay. And then the last part of the word is angelos, and you can kind of hear the word angel in there. And that part of the word means uh, news that has been sent, news that is sent. So put it together, uh, sending good news or announcing good news. Okay. So that has the idea of the gospel right there in the middle of that word, evangelism. Okay. It does come from the Bible. Uh, Acts chapter 21 in verse 7 uh, refers to Philip as the evangelist. The evangelist, one who announces the good news. Uh, 2 Timothy 4 and verse 5. Timothy is encouraged by Paul to do the work of an evangelist. Simply one announcing the good news. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 Uh, Verse 10 and 11 talks about how that when Christ ascended up on high, he gave gifts unto men. He gave some to be um, apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, some to be teachers. And so all of that includes announcing the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news of salvation. The word is used in the technical sense of those men who would go about from place to place, oftentimes in public places, and they would announce the good news. That technical sense of evangelist would uh, include only faithful men. But then in a general sense, both men and women, we ought to be out announcing the good news at every opportunity uh, that we have. There are two sides to uh, this good news. There is the side of doing it publicly, and there's the side of doing it privately. Okay? And both of these emphases is really important. If you're looking for a 2020 verse, Acts 20 and verse 20, uh, Paul said that he was busy proclaiming the good news both um, publicly and from house to house both publicly and from house to house. Of Peter and John, it is said of them in Acts 5 and verse 42, 
that they were busy announcing the good news both in the temple and also from house to house to the homes as well. This is a very, very important ideal uh, that we are discussing, personal uh, evangelism. Now, as there are two sides to this, there are also two divisions to doing the work of an evangelist. Two divisions. Right? Uh, one division is leading one to Christ. And then the second division is leading one back to Christ. And both of these uh, efforts are so very important. Okay? Leading one to Christ, leading one back to Christ. Let's look for just a few minutes at leading one to Christ. Some examples of leading one to Christ. All right, you ready? We mentioned John chapter 1, verses 35 to 51 this morning, how the Andrew had spent some time with Jesus, and then from that he went and he encouraged his brother uh, Peter to come to Jesus. And then later, Jesus finds, John 1, 46, Jesus finds Philip, and Philip uh, is... Uh, is enthralled with Jesus and who he is, so he goes and finds Nathaniel and brings him to Jesus. We have found him, he said, of whom the prophet spoke, of whom Moses wrote about Jesus of Nazareth, uh, the son of Joseph. We have found him. We have found him. Come and see. Come and see. You know, Nathaniel said, uh, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Well, come and see. And Nathaniel saw for himself that Jesus is indeed the King of Israel. He is the, the Savior of the world. Now, let's learn from that, that the more time we spend personally with Christ, then the more we're going to want to share the good news of Christ. Okay. We mentioned this morning how that Andrew was one of the two disciples who were, they were listening to John the Baptist speak, and John pointed out Jesus as the Lamb of God, and they, by listening to John right away, began to follow Christ, which is exactly what John wanted to see happen. And also, we are interested in not, not in people following us, not in people believing uh, in us, per se, not in people following our opinions, but rather for people to follow Christ and His Word. But notice this, that, as we mentioned this morning, Andrew was able to find Christ, and Christ said, what are you seeking after? And he said, well, where do you stay, Lord? And he, the Lord said, come and see. And Andrew and one other disciple, they were able to spend time with Jesus from about 4 o'clock in the afternoon all the way down to the end of the day. And then right away, as Andrew left that occasion, he went and found Peter and brought him to Christ. You see, the more time we spend personally with Christ in prayer and in study, the more that we're going to want to share the good news. I believe last year about this time, I challenged the congregation. I said, if you'll commit yourself to reading nine chapters of the New Testament per day, you won't help. You, could, you can't help yourself but to go and share it. I still think that's true. I, I think if you read nine chapters a day of the New Testament every day, then you'll find yourself just sharing what you read. You'll find yourself wanting to bring someone to church. You'll find yourself sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. I really believe that's true. So that's one example. Another example is Acts 8, verse 4. You remember that many of the Christians in Jerusalem were scattered about, 
due to the persecution that arose about the time of the death of Stephen. Many of the Christians had to leave their homes, leave their businesses, and they had to go somewhere else because of the intense persecution. But what did they, what did they do? Acts 8 verse 4. Those that were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Those that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. This is the power of the pew, you might say. You see, these folks, these folks that were scattered, they weren't going to pulpits. They weren't going to pulpits. These were not pulpit preachers. They were just running out of their homes. They were running out of their places. They had to go to another city. But as they did, they were doing what Jesus said do, which was take the gospel into all the world. Wherever you go, take it with you. That's a beautiful example of what Jesus had in mind for, for his disciples, just to take it with you. Acts 8 and verse 4. Also in Acts 8, you recall Peter, rather Philip, is in the area of Samaria, and he's preaching Jesus, and he's having many come and, and uh, believe in the kingdom of God, believe in the power of the gospel, and be baptized, Acts 8 and verse uh, 12. But the Lord... We read in Acts 8.26, an angel of the Lord had uh, Philip to leave that area and go toward uh, the way that leads from uh, Jerusalem southward. Okay. He's going to intersect the, uh, the travels of the Ethiopian eunuch. Okay. And so he goes in that direction, and uh, along about Acts 8.29 we read that on top of the angel of the Lord telling him to go in that direction, the Spirit of the Lord tells him, now I want you to go join that chariot. The eunuch had been to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning home to Ethiopia uh, from his travels, and he's in this chariot, and the Lord said, I want you to go join that chariot. Notice that with me in Acts 8, uh, 26. Arise, go toward the south, unto the way that goes down from Jerusalem unto Gaza. The same uh, is a desert uh, area. But then verse 29, the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join yourself to this chariot. And Philip ran to join, run to join the chariot. Notice what is happening here. The Lord is taking Philip away from a public situation to a private situation. He's taking him away from the city of Samaria to go join one person who needs to hear the gospel. See? There's that personal interest of the Lord. The Lord is taking Philip away from a crowded place to a place where there's just one man traveling, but he's reading his Bible. He's reading from Isaiah 53. And he goes and joins that chair. By the way, turn your Bibles to Isaiah 53. For just a moment. I want to mention this. Isaiah 53. Larry was reading this this morning at the Lord's uh, table. Talking about the suffering of the Lord. Verse 11. Isaiah 53 verse 11. 53 11. It says, he shall see the travail of his soul. The Lord will see his son's travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. And then it says this, by the knowledge of himself shall 
My righteous servant justify many, and he shall bear their iniquities. Notice that statement, if you will. By the knowledge of God, then the Son who is suffering shall justify many. Notice that again. By the knowledge of God, the Son would be able to justify, make many right with God. See how important our responsibility is? Yes, Jesus died for the sins of the world. He suffered for the sins of the world. But unless we get that knowledge out, that knowledge of all of the love of God, the knowledge of all that God is about, the knowledge of the great plan of God, unless we get that knowledge out, then people will not understand how to to, uh, avail themselves to take advantage of the blessings of the cross. So uh, Larry is reading that this morning. I thought, man, that that is good. That knowledge needs to be shared. So we have these examples in John 1 of people being brought to Christ. We have these examples of Acts chapter 8 and verse 4 and then with uh, Philip and the eunuch of Acts uh, chapter 8, 26 through 40. Also remember the conversion of of Saul of Tarsus, Acts chapter 9. Notice that Jesus is going to appear to Saul one-on-one. And then he's also going to send the preacher Ananias, who has the gospel message, to come to Saul one-on-one and tell him what he must do about his sins. You remember Ananias will say to him, Now, uh, why do you tarry? Arise, get yourself baptized, wash away your sins, and calling on the name of the Lord. Notice the personal emphasis here, one-on-one from Christ to Saul, but also one-on-one from Ananias uh, to Saul. Acts chapter 16, Paul goes to see Lydia out by a riverside, and she and her household are baptized. Also Acts chapter 16, 30 to 34, Paul has a conversation with the jailer who's keeping him in prison there, and one-on-one he's able to lead the jailer to be baptized and receive uh, forgiveness of his sins. I want you to take your Bibles with me and notice some of the evangelistic efforts, the gospel work of Paul for just a minute with me. I want us to start in 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. I want you to follow a, a line of thought here with me for just a moment. Just a moment. 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy 1 and verse 2. Notice how Paul addresses Timothy. Unto Timothy, my true child in faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father, and Christ Jesus our Lord. Alright? Notice he says, my true child in faith. Turn over to 2 Timothy 1. And notice verse 2 once again. 2 Timothy, he addresses Timothy. He says, To Timothy, my beloved child. My beloved child. Now we understand that Paul is not the physical, fleshly father of Timothy. It must be the case that Paul was instrumental. Paul taught the gospel to Timothy so that Timothy could be baptized, wash away his sins, and become a servant of the Lord. Notice that in 1 Timothy 1-2. 2 Timothy 1 2. Notice also in Titus, Titus chapter 1, 
in verse 4, he says, To Titus, you see this? Titus 1 verse 4, To Titus, my true child, after a common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus uh, our Savior. See that? So it must be the case that through Paul's teaching personally of Timothy, Paul's teaching personally of Titus, that these men were able to become uh, New Testament Christians. And then look over to Titus, from, from Titus to Philemon. Remember as Onesimus, the servant of Philemon, Paul was sending him back home to Philemon. Philemon's already a Christian in, um, in the city of Colossae. Notice verse 10 of Philemon. He says, I beseech thee for my child, again, my child, whom I have begotten in my bonds. And this child is Onesimus. What else could this mean other than the fact that as Paul was in prison in Rome, somehow or another, one of Paul's associates had brought Onesimus, the servant, in to see him. Onesimus had run, likely run away. And so here he is in Rome, and he has the opportunity to speak one-on-one with Paul. What's Paul going to talk to him about? Of course he's going to talk to him about the Savior, about the Gospel, about sin, about the Lord's Church. And so there is a one-on-one Bible study that Paul has with Philemon. Go back now with me to 1 Corinthians 4. 1 Corinthians 4. Notice this little statement in verse number 15. 1 Corinthians 4, in verse 15. Paul says, chapter 4, verse 15. For though you have 10,000 tutors in Christ, yet you have not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you, I beget you through the gospel. How is it that he has become their spiritual father? Through the gospel. Through sharing of the good news, announcing the good news to them, it seems to be he seems to be saying this. You have there's a lot of teachers out there out there who are teaching things religiously, who who may even be sharing with you some things from scriptures, but you don't have many fathers. There's not that many who are actually sharing the good news of Christ with you, so that you can become a child of God. But Paul says, I have done this with you, and that's what we need to be doing. We need to be sharing the good news of Christ with others. Okay. So there is the part of the personal evangelism that has to do with leading one to Christ. Okay. Let's look at the next part of leading one back to Christ. Okay. So if you're taking notes, here's your division. Okay. We started out talking about what is evangelism. The second part is... Part of evangelism is leading one to Christ. Now the third part of evangelism is leading one back to Christ. This happens. This happens. People wander away. Just like as we listen to the parable about the hundred sheep and one of them be gone astray. We all all are like sheep, Isaiah 53 said. We all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to our own way. Isaiah 53, what is that? Verses 5 and 6. We are like sheep. We wander away. Men, women, we wander away from the truth. Okay. And it is our responsibility to bring those home. Start with James 5, verse 19 for a second. 
James 5, verse 19. He says, uh, Brethren, if any among you, if any, James 5, 19, if any among you do err from the truth, or wonder from the truth, and then one convert him, and then verse 20 says, you need to know that you're going to be doing a great work, you're going to be covering a multitude of sins, but just stay right there in verse 19, James 5, 19, if any among you, that is, among you brethren, it's very possible for one to wander off, even though you have been baptized, even though you have been converted to Christ, it's possible to wander back off into a state of being lost again. Because notice what he says there. He says, and one convert him. See, when you wander away from the truth, even though you've been baptized, if you wander away from the truth and become unfaithful, you're in need of conversion again. You're lost. Now, when you wonder, what are you doing? You're wandering, you're erring from the truth. You're wandering away from the truth. And the only thing that's going to get a person back to Christ is studying the Bible with them again. They have wandered away from the truth. What do they, what do they, need, what do they need to get them back to Christ? They need the truth again. They need a Bible study again. There's, there, we can strategize... We can talk about it. We can discuss all day long. But the power will always be in the gospel. It will always be there. That's what it takes to get one to come back home. And so let us go get beyond. Go beyond. It's good to say, hey, you know, we've missed you at church. Fine. Okay. How are things going? Fine. You know. But at some point we have to say, you know, somehow we've got to get the seed of the gospel into their hearts once again. Or they'll they'll forever remain away uh, from Christ. So leading one back to Christ. And now let's turn over to Galatians 6 and verse 1. Galatians 6 and verse 1. Paul says, Brethren, you who are spiritual, if there is one among you who is overtaken in a fault, He's been swept away by his sins. If there is one among you and he's been overtaken in a fault, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Now, let's think about that for a moment. Considering yourself. Let me ask you this question. Did God love you before you came to Him? Did God love me before I ever became a Christian? Did God love you before you ever changed? Did God love you before you ever received the knowledge that would lead to your salvation? All of us know that He did. Therefore, we being like God, we also love people who have not yet come to Christ. We also love people who perhaps have fallen away and been overtaken by a fault, been swept away. We love them like God loves them. We want to see uh, them back. The restoration and repair business 
is still good business. The restoration and repair business is still good business. Not like Safe Light. Safe Light, what do they say on their commercial? Repair and replace? Okay. We are in the repairing business and the restoration business, but we're not in the re- replacing business. We're not interested in seeing people wander away from the truth and then find somebody else to take their place. No. Our responsibility is to bring that one back. Bring that one back. The repair and restoration of business. Now, as we mentioned this moment, this morning, this is not convenient. In the repair and restoration business, think about it. you're going to restore an old building, if you're going to restore an old house, that's going to get messy first. And then it's going to look better later. So in spiritual repairing and spiritual restoration, it's not going to be convenient and it's not going to be easy. There's going to be mistakes that are make, made We're going to be dealing with a lot of hurts, broken lives, perhaps illnesses thrown in there, perhaps other problems, insecurity, grief, pain. Who has time for that? We better have time for it. It's not going to be convenient. But still, the business is God's business. Now, let's think about this before we make any more points. Perhaps this is a point on its own. I don't know. Personal evangelism is not a line on the church budget. It ought not to be. Personal evangelism, it's not a part of the work of God. It is the work of God. This is it. We have no other business other than what we are discussing this very evening. This is it. This is it. And we will explain that further as we move along. So, we try to explain a little bit about evangelism and then talk about part of personal evangelism is bringing one to Christ, of course. Another part of personal evangelism is bringing one back to Christ. And I'm saying one on purpose because if you can get one then truly converted, either converted back or converted in the first place, then that one will go find one on his own to convert to Christ or to bring back to Christ. That's God's process, you see. Second Timothy 2 and verse 2. The things which you have heard from me among many witnesses... The same commit to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. That's God's process, one by one by one. That's the idea. But we have to spend enough time and get away from normal life schedules in order to help one come to Christ or help one come back uh, to the Lord. 
The next part of our lesson is I want to bring up the example of Aquila and Priscilla. Some of my favorite soul winners in the Bible, Aquila and Priscilla, Acts 18, 24 through 28. Acts 18, 24 to 28. You remember this occasion? Acts 18.24, a certain Jew named Apollos from Alexandria, eloquent man, came to Ephesus, and he's mighty in the scriptures, and he's going to start speaking in the synagogue. He has been well educated in scripture. The problem is he knows only this body of information that has to do with Jesus up to about John the Baptist. If you glance over to Acts 19 and verse 4, you'll see what we mean by that. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying that people should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Jesus. That's the, that's the body of information that Apollos knows up to this time. He was teaching about Jesus, okay, but he was teaching about Jesus in such a way there is one coming after John, who is Jesus. Okay. Apollos didn't know that Jesus had come. He didn't know that Jesus had already suffered and died, been resurrected, and that the kingdom had uh, been set up on earth. He was lost in, in that lack of knowledge. And we want to ask, what did Aquila and Priscilla do? Right. Here's what they didn't do. We're continuing this thought on being personal. Here's what they didn't do. Aquila did not get in front of the synagogue and say, well, we have one among us who is not teaching properly. He's not teaching about being baptized in the name of Jesus and we're going to have to expel him or we're going to have to uh, limit his influence among us. Okay. They did not do that. It was not their first response to try to publicly embarrass Apollos. They wanted to help him, but they wanted to help him in the most effective manner possible. So here's what they did. They had a personal Bible study with him. Notice it here in Acts 18. Verse 26. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, and when Priscilla... And Aquila heard him, they took him unto them, took him aside, and expounded unto him the way of God more accurately. More accurately. Notice it says the way of God. There's no other way. It's not a multiple choice. And Apollos was on, on the right thought. He's on the right track. So they started where he is, where Apollos is in his thinking, in his knowledge, and then they expound unto him the way more accurately, leading from point A to point B where he needed to be. In other words, they took a personal interest in Apollos and they wanted to see him continue his service but continue now with better knowledge and more correct knowledge than he has had before. And to Apollos' credit, 
Okay. He's not rebuffed about this. He doesn't get mad about it. He receives the instruction so much so that he's able to go on to Corinth after this and do some real good teaching about Jesus. Aquila and Priscilla. They also were in the repair and restoration business. Notice that they repaired what was, uh, what was uh, broken in Apollos' knowledge. And before long, he was back on the road doing what he needed uh, to be doing. The example of Aquila and Priscilla. Notice this husband and wife team. Husband and wife team. If you're in a position now, husbands and wives, where you are not... Uh, you know, you're not surrounded by a bunch of activities. Uh, in other words, if you have an empty nest, okay? If, if you're now free from uh, bringing up your children, wouldn't it be great that you and your wife would just sit down and have prayer together and uh, have coffee together while you do it? But uh, have prayer and just say, hey, let's just dedicate the rest of our lives to sharing the good news. Let's just, every opportunity we have, let's take, let's take two nights a week or figure out some sort of schedule, some sort of way that fits your ways, fits your schedule so that you can be more involved in evangelism, announcing uh, the good news. Aquila and Priscilla. The next part of our lesson is simply this. What about the acts of love? Where do they fit in? Where do they fit in? It might have been easy a few months ago and I said, you know, this is not a line item on the budget. This is the work of Christ. This event, this sharing, there is, you know, Jesus, it says, Luke 19, verse 10, He came to seek and save that which is lost. This is it. Okay. And Jesus is the head and we are the body. Whatever the head is doing, the body is doing. We have no choice but to do as Jesus did. This is it. But where, where does the acts of love come in? The encouraging words, the card sending, or what I like to call card bombing, card bombing of people, the acts of service, the delivering of food, the acts of love. Where does that come in? In the process, if if evangelism is it, where does that fit in? Okay. Well, it is part of the process. Oftentimes, it's part of the process because. These acts of love, first of all, we do the acts of love because God said do the acts of love. But then ultimately, in God's thinking, in God's plan, these acts of love are conditioning the heart. You know, in Luke 8, Jesus compares the human heart or, or a, a, the human mind, if you will, to like soil. And in the soil, you're going to have different kinds of soil. And according to the conditioning of that soil is whether or not uh, you know, the seed is going to be able to p- be planted and then produced. So the condition of the heart has a lot to do with how the Word of God is received and what comes out in life. These acts of love are very, very important because it, c- it can condition a person's heart, prepare the soul for the reception of the seed of the Word of God, the Gospel. Very, very important. But we need to know that these acts of love they're part of the process. They're part of the process. They're not the end of the process. But they're part of the process. Okay. 
you've heard of the phrase, means to an end. Means to the end. The acts of love are part of the means. A soul being saved is the end result. It's the end. That's where we want to be. What happens is sometimes churches get lost in the means. The means become the end themselves. We, we, we get our eye off the end, the end result, the end goal that we have in mind. And we get lost in the means. We're having fellowship, we're, we're doing this, we're doing that. But we lose, we take our eye off the main goal. We can't get lost in the means. But we've got to be realizing that what we're doing is, is ultimately trying to lead someone uh, to Christ. Every activity we do, ought to, it ought to be done in view of saving somebody's soul. Either saving somebody's soul, helping somebody stay faithful, or bringing somebody back. Every activity we do must have that in mind. Whether it's an event, or whether it's a special day, whether it's Bible school, whether it's food delivery, no matter what it is, we must have in mind the fact that we're trying to save somebody's soul. Whose soul is that? We've got to be looking out for someone who may have a tender enough heart, honest enough heart, to receive the Word of God. This is an overwhelming task that the Lord has set upon us. Let's remember what we said this morning a little bit. It takes a personal approach if we're going to be involved in this great work. We've got to look at it not as a duty but as a calling. We must remind ourselves that this is, this is us responding to the love of God. I like what Peter said in Acts 4, 19 and 20. He says, We cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. That's just pure love. That's just pure response. We must be very, very sincere as we go about our, our, our efforts. Very sincere. We don't care who gets the credit. We don't care if anybody sees what we're doing or not. The Lord knoweth. The Lord knoweth. And we're just simply trying to please Him. So we just want to be really uh, deep down sincere about it. We want to be humble. Realizing every person that we are seeking to help come to Christ, that person also, just like me, just like you, all of us are made in the image of God, and that is a person God wants to see in heaven. Okay? Every person that we see walking about, every person that we, that we meet, every person we talk to, every person that waits on us, God wants to see that person across the counter. God wants to see that person across the street. God wants to see that person across the room. God wants to see everybody in heaven. And He has no other plan but you. No other plan but you. But me. So we've got to be sincere and we've got to be humble uh, as we make this approach. And we've got to be focused. We've got to be focused. In order to really be involved in this, we, we just have to change our patterns in life. We just have to change our patterns in life. Because if we're not in a habit of this, 
You have to force yourself out of it. Just force yourself out of it. It's a good time of the year to be talking about this. If you're looking to make the biggest change in your life, this is it. This is it. The priest and Levite were so busy doing good things that they couldn't find themselves doing the best thing. The best thing. We're in the same boat. We're surrounded with so many nice things that we could be doing. But we cannot leave undone the most important thing. This was Jesus' condemnation of the Pharisees, Matthew 23, 23. He says the matters of faith and mercy you have left undone. We can't leave it undone. And we must be committed. We must be committed. Because what we're talking about here is something that's going to inconvenience somebody. You might say, well, preacher, it's not inconveniencing you, but this is not just about me. As we mentioned a moment ago, we're all going to stand on, on the judgment seat on judgment day before the judgment seat of Christ and we're going to look God one on one. And He's going to say, what did you do with the time I gave you? I believe it's Sister Liz that often says that the scariest song that we sing in our hymn books is you never mention him to me. You saw me every day. You passed me by the way. But you never mentioned him to me. And will we, on that judgment day, will we pass somebody? Will we meet somebody? Will we stand next to somebody? We had an opportunity to share the good news with, and we never mentioned to them. We cannot make that decision for them. We cannot say, well, they'll never, they're not interested. They'll, they'll never learn. They cannot learn. They'll never, we can't do that for them. That's unfair. That's dishonest. It's not being right with God. Now, we are having our personal evangelism workshop. It'll be January 17th, beginning at 6. We have some brochures. We want to hand out about that. And then... Um, we're also going to be mailing some of those out this week. Already, already, many brochures have been sent out about this. This, this particular gentleman that's coming to be with us, I'm going to be talking more about him next week, but he works with the Jacksonville Church in association with House to House, Heart to Heart. And all he does is these workshops. That's all he does. He has nothing to lose when he comes. Okay. In other words, Roger, he's not going to beat around the bush. He's not going to be as soft-spoken as I am. I'm trying to give you a little heads up here. But he's going to be very, very good for us. Very good for us. I appreciate you being so patient this evening as we move through these different parts of the lesson. But I felt like 
This is the word that we need to start with in 2020. Personal. Personal. Having a personal interest in other people. Having a personal approach to life. Having a personal relationship with God. Having personal time with God. Which will hopefully lead to sharing the gospel with someone. Being involved in personal evangelism. If we can assist you... As I said a moment ago, everything that we do is about trying to save a soul. If we can assist you this evening on this occasion with a a need in your soul, we'd be so glad to do so. It may be that in studying your Bibles, you have come to the point where you see the need to repent and be baptized as, as Jesus, as Peter said to do. It may be that you, you know you have wandered away from the truth. We'd love to study with you, pray with you. Won't you come home right now as we stand together?